And welcome, folks, to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We have a loaded show this week. At least I'm told that it's loaded. I've been teased by both Ben and Lynette that they've got some pretty major stuff to talk about. And I've got some cool stuff, too, uh, as well. But join with me this week, of course, as I just mentioned. Ben Frawley, how are you, sir? What is going on, Chris? What's up, people around the quarantine world? Uh, I don't know about everyone else, but it was 100 degrees up here in central New York. Literally, two weeks ago, it was snowing, and now we had 94 degrees out today. Uh, So uh, get outside, stay safe, don't be like those goofballs in the Ozarks having raging keggers like inches away from each other. Exactly. Yeah, I I didn't think anyone drank anymore. I thought everyone was into pills and, you know, harder stuff. Anyway, who are these people coming out that look like frat boys? Exactly. (laughs) I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. I I was like, no one drinks anymore. This next generation, they're all on pills and snorting stuff. And all of a sudden, boom, it's it's keg stands at the pole again because we're going to get out. Oh, the coronavirus. And we're doing keg stands. It's stupid. (laughs) Anyway, that's my rant. Welcome, Ben. Welcome, Ben. (laughs) And, (laughs) And joining us, welcome back to Lynette Williams. How are you? I am good. How are you? Doing well, yeah. doing well. Getting ready to quarantine myself for the next 14 days after I work my shift on the COVID floor. Actually, it's not COVID. It's COVID. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying to make it cool. You are myself. a medical professional. That should probably get that terminology. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not like I'm just randomly walking just up going, on the COVID floor. Just doing it. I'm just going to Jack, do this. Jackass style, just doing <laughs> it. <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, I, I don't think, I don't know how many times if we've ever done this, but Lynette, Thank you so much for all the hard work yes. uh, that you're doing. Sincerely, I mean, it's it's you are a testament to humanity right now for everything that you're doing and putting yourself at risk. So thank oh. you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and you guys honestly thank me a lot more than my actual family, so I appreciate that. Um, there you go. <laughs> well, does your family believe that this is all happening? Is it a conspiracy theory? Kind of oh no, my family believes it. Oh. They just don't. They don't believe that I'm a medical professional. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a different argument for a different time, I guess. But, <laughs> but anyway, Lynette, because of this, and you mentioned you've you've got work, you gotta you gotta get going. Um, we're gonna kick off the show a little bit differently now, folks. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, what we typically like to do is bring two or three interesting stories, news, features, whatever it may be, uh, from the week of entertainment in whatever medium that you decide to choose uh, and discuss it on this podcast, but we have no idea what each other are bringing to the table. And you typically will do like a round robin style, but Lynette's got to be places. She's got to, she's got to get to bed soon. So um, we're going to have her do all three of hers in a row uh, and to kick things off. So Lynette, what is your first story this week? All right. My first story for the week is um, I just read an article on Shadow Act about um, Apple TV is going to be launching on January 10th uh, a new project called Little Voice uh, that is J.J. Abrams and Sarah Bareilles. Uh, It is a weekly uh, episodic drama uh, with music written and produced by Sarah Bareilles. Um, about a girl who is kind of shy but has an excellent voice. Um, I guess one of the featured artists from, or one of the um, stars of Star is going to be headlining it, and it's for Apple TV. Um, So I'm kind of excited, one, because it's Sarah Bareilles, and I don't, well, I don't know if you guys knew this, but in October, I got to see her live um, at Madison Square Garden 
RIP's Madison Square Garden currently. Um, and the show was absolutely phenomenal. Um, it was before Waitress closed, but her Waitress friends were there, and it was just really an awesome show. She, she does such a wonderful performance. I love her music because she evolves throughout, so it's always fun to see what she's going to do next. Um, so I'm super excited about this. Um, but here's the, here's the rub. I don't actually have Apple TV. Mm. So now I have to make a decision. Is, is this going to be the thing that will throw me over the edge to get it? So uh, my question to you guys is, do you have Apple TV? Is it worth it? What else would I be watching on there? Um, and are you guys actually interested in this show that I just mentioned? Well, I, I will, I'll just say that Apple TV is not worth it yet. Um, okay. They don't have nearly the, you know, and Ben and I have talked about this before, for the appointment-worthy shows. Yeah. Um, they just don't. And, but they apparently they, they're developing it. So I think in like two to five years, it'll definitely be worth it. But right now, no. I, what I might do in, in that situation, Lynette, is join it for the duration of that series and then just cancel it right away. Gotcha. <laughs> ben, what do you think? Uh, well, so, Lynette, do you have an Apple device to stream TV over? Yeah, I've got an iPad. Okay, that's the that was the thing that I found. So I, wa- I really wanted to watch the Beastie Boys documentary that was direct to Apple TV. And luckily, Katie has a little Apple TV streaming device. Mm-hmm. which is like a Roku player kind of thing. You just hook it up to the TV. So that was the only way we could get it. But then even with that, you had to order the service, and then we canceled right away, like Chris said. Uh, there, I mean, there's really nothing on there. It's filled with a bunch of uh, okay TV, from what I can see. Okay. But, um, yeah, until that day, yeah, it's not worth it. I mean, the, that new um, animated show, uh, Central Park, uh, which is a musical animated show with Josh Gad and Leslie Odom Jr. and all those. It's made by the same people that do Bob's Burgers. Um, I think that's either already premiered or it's premiering later this summer. So that might be something else. But yeah, I mean, to Ben's point, there there just really isn't anything uh, there just yet. So It almost sounds like they're trying to make a niche for music TV. Because if you think about it, you, Ben mentioned the Beastie Boys. Um, and then... Bet, uh, Chris, you mentioned the 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 musical cartoon, mm-hmm. and then now I'm mentioning this one. I wonder if that's what they're trying to grab hold of. If that's what they're what they're going to look at as their main what their niche will be. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting to see where they're going because they did that that morning show um, TV show with Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston, which. It's it, you know debatable whether or not that was a hit or a flop, but um, <laughs> it, yeah, it really depends on who you talk to. It's it's that divisive. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think from two to five years from now, it might be an actual contender or contender in this space. Yeah, but uh, but right now, yeah, no, it, it is lagging far behind the Netflix, Hulu's, and Amazon Primes for me yeah. at least. So, All right. There you go. But good nice. stuff. Uh, what's your number two this week? My number two, um, I'm sure, I hope for you guys saw today that it was released that they're going to finally be making a sequel to Labyrinth. Did anybody yes. see this? Wow, no, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Scott Dieterich, am I saying that right? Dietrich? That's not I think name. you are, yes. Okay. 
he's going to be the the director and um so it's scheduled they just announced it uh somebody has already penned hold on let me pull up the article so i don't speak out of turn scott yeah derrickson is the director who's writing it um i forgot already do, 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 do. anyway uh, How the hell are they going to do this without Bowie? <laughs> uh, good question. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. So, how do you feel about this? Like, who would ever take the place of Bowie? Right. I mean, and, I, I'll, I'll be the first person to say that I'm not high on Labyrinth as everybody else seems to be, or mm-hmm. Labyrinth fans are. But uh, that's a good question, man. It's like there's, there's. Unless you're unless you're doing it like pre- prequel style, I don't know. Who knows? It's. Yeah. I think my understanding is it's definitely sequel. Uh, Hanson's children signed off of it. But the other thing that was interesting in the article I read on Sci-Fi was they were talking about um, the '80s children's movies that were definitely not not meant for. They were way too scary for children. Um, so my question to both of you is: is what? Uh, what would be your top choice for 1980s? I'll even give you late 70s. I'll go late 70s, 80s, uh, tops kids movie that was supposed to be a kids movie ended up scaring the pants off of you. Mm. That's a good question. Uh, well, there's a couple that come to mind. Uh, you know, uh, Labyrinth is in there. Dark Crystal's weird because the puppets are bizarre. Yeah. Uh, and then you have... Um, I mean, as a kid on cable, I would watch a lot of straight up horror movies <laughs> like that you shouldn't have watched like until you were like a teenager. But I they would like edit them down kind of they'd have blurs mm. on them. But I'd watch Halloween at 2 p.m. on a Saturday. It was crazy. Um, and I probably was eight <laughs> when I saw that. So that's I'm a little jaded. Uh, but uh, my pick uh, is uh, I believe it's called Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Hmm. Um, and it is, oh no, wait, that's the, that's the, uh, John Travolta yeah. movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The one he did after Michael. <laughs> yeah, right. It's called, it's called Phenom, Phenomena. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a Dario Argento movie with, uh, what's her face from, uh, what do you call it? What are we talking about right now? Oh my God! From Jennifer Labyrinth? Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Jennifer Connelly. So it's kind of like the follow-up to it. Um, it's definitely an R-rated movie. It's 1985, actually. It might be before. It's right around it. And okay. this movie's twisted. It's about this girl. So she plays this young girl, and she can control uh, animals and bugs with her mind. And mm. she helps a uh, doctor, Donald Pleasance, uh, track down a serial killer with her powers intriguing yeah it's not but, really a good movie but a wild premise <laughs> but the question was is was that meant for children I or think was that so. just a straight up horror movie uh it's kind of you know i think in italy in the 80s they just were wild they just let kids yeah. watch anything so it's not like really like a super adult movie but it's not really a kids movie it's like that i'm gonna say it's early teenager movie but but check that movie out it's pretty wild dario argento phenomena check it out okay wow. Um, yeah. Chris, did you make a decision? Yeah, well, there's two. It's a toss-up because it's like 
one's the entire movie, the other is just a segment of a movie. But like the the segment of the movie, I think is either the movie Trolls or Troll Two, one of the two. And it's when they're this Troll Two is so epic, bro. But was that good for children? Oh yeah. Honestly, I I was skimming like I think like TBS on a Sunday, and I'm like eight or eight or nine years old, and I see this scene where this family's moving into a new house, and the little girl of the family is like either abducted or possessed by the troll. I don't know. It scared the bejesus out of me. Um, yeah, that's troll one. Troll one troll has one. Okay. Uh, Sonny Bono in it too. <laughs> okay, exactly. Perfect. Uh, in terms of the entire movie, uh, it was an animated film by the Don Bluth 20th Century Fox era called The Secret of Nymph. And yes. that is mm-hmm. uh, the most terrifying and depressing animated film ever made, hands down. So those, mm. that, those would be my answers, yeah. Good uh, picks. Mine is have have you guys ever heard of the like 1979? It might be 1978, uh, 1979 Disney classic, A Watcher in the Woods. Yes, it's that a great would movie. Hands down, be my pick. If I have a Disney Plus, series. yeah, it's it's Bette Davis at her elderly best, and she scares the bejesus out of you. And it's all just smoke and mirrors. There's no actual scariness in it. But even watching it as an adult, I'm like, this crap is scary. Oh, I got to check that out. I've never seen that. That looks great. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 1980 on the dock. Yeah. Nice. And then uh, my be- one of my best friends would actually say, and I, I love to tell this story because somehow it makes, me sa- it makes me sad and also giggle inside at the same time. And it kind of schadenfreude in my mom. Uh, she uh, thinks that the worst 1980s movie that is actually intended to be a horror movie is The NeverEnding Story. Oh, yeah. Great. She, the Nothing gave her an existential crisis that she, she literally for months could not come back from. That's a good bad guy. Yeah. Like yeah. Thanos. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, the Nothing is undefeated in that movie, so... Uh, I yeah. With the, the Neverending Story, for me, it's like you're. It's one of those movies where it's like you're you're young enough where the sight of a horse getting like swallowed up, like you know, in the mud is is traumatic. But at the same time, you're not gonna you're not gonna understand anything else that that movie has to do, um, yeah. so to speak. So it's it's one of those movies where I think like you're you, you're kind of in this wheelhouse. Uh, you have to kind of be in that perfect wheelhouse to be traumatized by the entire thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, so those I thought that was interesting because I know for some people Labyrinth was very scary for them. Um, so that's why I was like, you know, I wonder, I wonder what you guys thought. You know, you know, it's a really good, you know, I've been toiling over this. What's the introduction for horror movies, uh, to kids? Mm. And, uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead is pretty old school, there's not a lot in it. You can probably show that one. But I remember when I was a kid, one of my first horror movies that I saw was Poltergeist. Yes! Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a great 80s intro movie to horror. Yeah, yeah. But I remember that's the whole reason why I refused to watch horror movies until I became like 30, 45 years old. Is because it scared me <laughs> so much that I was like, nope. All right, maybe I'll, maybe I'll wait a little. Maybe I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> But I was also the TV kid. I always was in front of the TV. So when she got swallowed up by the TV, that was it. I was like, this could be me. And I lost it. I was like, never again. 
All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, wow, we're zipping through. Lynette, what's your third one? All right, my third one is uh, it comes with a little story. So there's a there's a tradition amongst my New York City friends of well, we just started it last year, but we wanted to keep it going of going down to New York City for Eurovision, um, the Euro European Music Award phenomenon. Um, and the, for those of you who don't know what Eurovision is, um, there are 40 countries that submit the best of the best from their country to compete um, to win the top prize for Eurovision. Um, and the winning, the winning country gets to host the next year's um, um, competition. And there two votes. One is a public vote. Uh, so if you live in those countries, you can send in your vote on an app and that wins the popular vote. But here's the kicker. That's not the one that gets to win the, the whole Eurovision. The countries, the record execs for the countries get to make votes and then they get to allocate points to different groups. And then from there, those are the final standings. So you could have a group that was not voted number one on popular vote. And I think last year, the number one popular vote got booted all the way down to number 12. Uh, so it gets very like chaotic and people like make wagers and anyway. And we went to this fantabulous gay bar in New York City called Hardware and we just had a fun time. So we were really looking forward to this year and then Corona hit. And we were like, mm. no, what are they gonna do? So Eurovi Eurovision decided this year that uh, every country was a winner. Um, they weren't gonna actually hold a contest uh, that they were just going to uh, play the videos and um, uh, just let it be, you know, a world, a world event. Uh, and then they would determine, they would figure out, I think they might let, because it was the Netherlands, it was supposed to be the Netherlands to host this year. I think they might let them host next year, assuming everything, we can do that again. So... My friends and I got together via uh, Facebook Messenger. We're sitting there. We're watching all these videos. We're having an okay time. And then it hit Russia. Russia came on the scene. Russia's group is called Little Big. And they submitted a song, sung in English and Spanish, called Uno. The entire song is about trying to get a lady drunk not really like take advantage of her, but like buy her a drink so that she lightens up to you and then like doing the nasty, whole entire song. What makes it amazing is the video. I have watched this video every single day of my life since Eurovision because it made me laugh so hard the first time uh, because they take themselves so seriously. It also sent me on a complete endless journey down the rabbit hole that is Little Big. Um, and I watched all 29 videos that they have posted on YouTube, not to mention a couple of live performances from Russian TV shows. I'm pretty sure now that Homeland Security has dubbed me as a possible informant for Russia, but I don't care. It is well worth it. Um, one, do you guys watch Eurovision, know what Eurovision is? And two, have you heard of this video yet? And if you haven't, you need to look it up because it's fan-fucking-tabulous. Yeah, that's right. I used the swear word this time. That sounds awesome. Uh, I've, 
I've never seen it. No, uh, you did mention this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. But oh, no, I kidding. did. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> it's worth the re-mention. No, yeah, it it sounds fascinating. I I love world music competitions because, to your point, you get some really interesting acts. So yeah, I'll definitely have to check this out. Uh, ben, I think this is right up your alley, and I. I am presuming without research, I want to go back and research this. I think they get their name because originally the band member was uh, one of the gentlemen has a teddy bear tattooed on his back and you get to see it in in entirety in the video. Um, The gentleman with the the teddy bear, I think originally started this group with a little um, like little people um, and through if you start at the very first part of their videos and you watch the progression of the group somehow in there the little the, the woman disappears <laughs> and then there's all these other people but i think they got their name from the fact that it was a regular sized person and then a little person i shouldn't say regular sized person a tall person and a little person so i think that's where they got their name from little big um but it's their videos are artistically just phenomenal uh they're a lot of fun they're very quirky and a lot of the times you're like wtf what am i watching and yet you can't not watch wow no i definitely have to check it out definitely have to check it out I and mean, when you sell it like that i mean <laughs> i know I'm amazing so <laughs> and then that got my youtube that's also my youtube pick for the week awesome. so awesome. oh two and one nice yeah nice. well lynette good stuff yeah, well, thank you guys. I appreciate you letting me bounce in and then bounce off so I can go, you know, hopefully maintain lives. I don't want to necessarily save them tomorrow. I'd like to maintain them. Maintain them. So, yeah. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, Lynette, thank you again. And uh, we will see you uh, next week, probably. So, All right. Be safe. Yes. yes. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, All right. Bye, guys. All right. All right, so I'm going to bounce off. You're going to bounce off, yep. Now you can leave. Now you can leave. (laughs) There she goes. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. All right. We'll do do like a comeback in three, two, one, and we're back. And now it's just me and Ben. So, hi, Ben. Hey, did did we do a sponsorship right there and pay the bills or something? We did. We did. Excellent. All the bells. All the bells. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it for you and I this week. Yeah. Uh, you you said something uh earlier today about how you had some 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 killer stuff this week. So I'm excited to, to see what you got. Um so why don't you lead us off, my friend? I got some killer stuff. I got a couple bonus things that aren't really you know, Chris, you know, I don't know about you, but what I stumble upon articles and uh I might have like a like a zinger in there. You know what I mean? If I brought it up, like, and I'd be like, all right, there's no discussion. So I got a couple sure. bonus ones that I might just throw in and pepper in. Like, okay. like one of my favorite films of last year, Uncut Gems, is on Netflix now. So go mm-hmm. check it out if you haven't checked that out. See? A wonder, You know, just a one offer. I don't have anything to say. I've already talked about it. Just, there you go. That's there that's you for your information. Um, but, Chris, let's talk about the big story of the week. The match, too. Chris? Did you check out the match two between uh, you, are, Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, <laughs> Phil Mickelson, and Tom Brady? I did. Yes. I did. Okay. 
So uh, for people out there, so this was to raise awareness and to raise money for coronavirus relief. They raised over $20 million. Um, my two cents, I thought it was great. You know, in this world of no sports, I'm clamoring for any competition. Um, so it was kind of cool to see this. You know, the match one was a kind of an experiment last year, and it was a successful one. Um, I, I think for the fans, because I think the uh, pay-per-view event like messed up and they had to give it away for free. So, uh, But they ended up raising money for charity on that one, too. So, Chris, what were your thoughts? Uh, let's just get into it. What were your thoughts just in general of the match? You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. It's always fun and entertaining to watch uh, kind of celebrities and professionals do these types of things and kind of let their, their hair down a little bit and relax and understand that it's not a serious competition, so to speak, and you can have some fun. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. It, you know, it surprised me that I didn't realize that Peyton and, and Tom Brady were as good golfers as they are. I mean, they could certainly kick my ass on the course. Yeah, um, seriously. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, the Tom Brady for the first four holes, I'm like, I could take this guy. <laughs> <laughs> probably the only the only competition i could probably take of in his first four holes there but um but yeah it was fun and then like you know the little snide comments that, you know here and there i think i think charles barkley said something at one point that was freaking hilarious about he was ragging on um tom brady about something and tom brady came back at him being like you know something about like having the feeling of winning a championship yeah why don't you try winning a super bowl it's not like that <laughs> That was so, the best. oh my god! Like Charles Barkley and Tom Brady going back and forth was great, especially I believe it was hole six when Brady hits that amazing hundred yard shot that goes in the hole. That was like that was the shot of the day. It was, and, and then he goes, "Put a sock in it, Charles." <laughs> it was so awesome. And then like, and then like one of the announcers is like called Charles like overweight. He's like, "Hey, hey!" And Charles Barkley's like, "Hey, you can't say that. We're in PC culture." you're going to be shaming me and you're bullying me. And then the announcer comes back. He was like, well, they agreed to feed America with coronavirus relief, not feed Charles Barkley. That'd be too much money. And it's so funny. It was so great. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. And also it was just good to watch sports again in, in mm. any semblance. And I, you know, I think, I think we talked about this, like golf in tennis are like kind of the two sports that, that really can come back. I don't know if you saw the news that like the NHL announced today that they're going to do a 2014 playoff in okay. August, okay. Um, which I'm like, all right, it's hockey. I don't, I don't necessarily care, but all right. Um, so yeah, it's just, it was just good to see sports again, you know? Well, you know, and uh, Chris, you know, we really haven't gotten into it, but um, our governor up here in New York, uh, Cuomo, um, you know, my thoughts and a couple of my coworkers thought all my coworkers thoughts. We thought we think that he's handling this really well as far as being uh, upfront and honest as far as the virus and stuff, um, as far as getting news out and being just honest. You know, people ask him questions like, um, "So when are we opening this?" And he's like, "I don't know. Don't ask me that. <laughs> ask me in two months." Like he he's not scared to say, "I don't know," right. and that's relief. He doesn't put a spin. Well, like you know, everything's well and blah blah blah. He doesn't, he just, I don't know. Like that's, that's a crazy question to ask me right now. So, um, but one thing he said was, I think next week or maybe it's coming up like this, this week, he has given the green light for all local sports teams, uh, major league or, you know, double a baseball, whatever, you know, uh, the Syracuse Mets, whatever it is to start, uh, training camps. Um, Ooh. 
and he believes, and this was, and he's like, I want to watch the Bills. <laughs> Call me selfish, but I want to watch the Bills this fall. Um, but his rationale is, he's like, I know that's a very selfish thing for me to say, but my rationale is, if we can have sports of some sort on TV, it'll keep people home. It'll keep people inside. Mm-hmm. So if we can get sports practicing, if we can get sports playing without audiences, then people can stay home. I mean, think of your life before this virus, like last football season. You would have gladly taken uh, – you have to be forced to stay inside your house any football Sunday. <laughs> from Especially on the British uh, footballs on, 9 a.m. to, I don't know, 11 p.m. at night. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. You just leave me here, uh, a couple groceries – I got the cheese dip going. I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm all set. You know what I mean? If I can bet over the internet some games, you can just leave me inside. And if I have sports yeah. on, I'm, I'm ready to rock. So, you know, I get what the governor is saying. If sports come back, and even if it's in a limited fashion, like they've been talking about the Arizona League for baseball or just having the major cities come back for uh, NBA or MLB. That's what they've been really talking and shooting around is just having the major league teams and having almost like, so Chris, I don't know if you heard, I watched a little Korean baseball um, and it's okay. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's all right. Um, but what they have over there is like a nine to 10 team league. It's very like minor leagues. Um, I could see something like that coming back for the sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I'm I'm in a fantasy football uh, dynasty league setup, and um, the commissioner sent out this email about like, you know, hey, our rookie draft is coming up, and like, no one really responded. And he's like, "Where's where's the enthusiasm?" And we're like, "We don't know if there's going to be a season." Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you want us to get hyped up for a draft that we have no idea, you know, if if that's actually going to you know happen come through. So. It, it, yeah, it's it, this. It, we're in this weird zone right now with sports, where it's like, you know, I wanted to come back. Same thing with theater. I wanted to come back, but at the same time, I wanted to come back when, you know, it, it's safe and right. I can also attend these games, um, it, with some sense of normalcy, uh, which is probably not going to happen for a couple of years. But um, yeah, no, it's just it's it's just weird. But I I agree. I think I think baseball has a chance to come back. In, in that format you're, that you were talking about. Um, football, I mean, just because it's such a heavy contact sport, I, I mean, I just don't know how it comes back, you know. It, right now. It, right, right, yeah, exactly, like right now. Um, I know, yeah. No, I know, I know. I, I just, I where baseball, everyone kind of, you're, you're just, you're socially distanced by proxy, except for in the dugout. And right. in if you watch a couple of clips from the Korean, they do a little high fives, but they're all wearing gloves. They're all wearing batter's gloves on. Um, then they do this kind of little like hand signal to each other if someone hits a home run or something like that. So they've kind of figured it out in Korea. But of course, South Korea uh, have ha- tests the whole country daily or something like that. <laughs> like their testing is through the they have drive through testing on the way to work. Like they're just out of control. They're so far beyond us. In any respect, it's just crazy. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what this means for baseball, though, that the Bash Brothers high five is coming back. <laughs> ah, you caught me on that one. Oh, my God. Everybody's going to be doing the Bash Brothers from the now on. The Bash Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> then we bashed and we bounced. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, oh now I gotta, Chris. Thanks a lot. Now I gotta go watch that. I just gotta go watch it. I gotta watch the whole thing. You are welcome. Well, Ben, that's good stuff, man. Good yeah, stuff. like I, I thought that was important to talk about. So, Chris, um, do you want to see? So, end it up. Do you want to see more of this, or should they not do too much of this to ruin the what it was? Like, if they do this every month, bring in new celebrities. Should they have a rematch? I, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't. I don't know. Um, I think it's like too much of a good thing. It could start to, you know get tired of it in a way but again if it's raising money for charity and it's doing a really good job of it then who am i to say stop doing it um i know i could see them spicing this up and you know did you watch uh the first match last year did you catch that i caught a little bit of it yeah like my dad and i went to the locker room the little sports pub in lee and we watched this and um and i was like and we didn't have anything going on i think my mom stayed back with the little guy and my dad and i went to go see this and the place was packed wall to wall people and my dad was like are you kidding me i was like yeah i I had no idea this was gonna be like that big of a thing but that first match you know tiger and phil have had a rivalry for a long time and they're trash talking the whole time and people (laughs) so this is a great story i don't know if i told this story last year but uh my dad were standing at the bar and there was a couple of brothers that were betting a dollar a hole so they were placing little bets, like, you know, closest to the pin little bets. And they're, you know, just going back and forth with little dollars and stuff. And one of them was hearing impaired. And my dad was talking to him. It was great. It was just, I don't know. It was kind of like a very bonding thing. Everyone was cheering. And that went into, I think, a three-cup overtime. So that match yeah. went crazy. Um, so I don't know. I, I really like this. And I could see, and as I was, you know, watching this, you know, Tiger is past his prime, per se. You know I mean? He looked great. He looked phenomenal during this. Um, Phil lo- looks great. I could see them doing this indefinitely, the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think they need to do this every year until they die. I mean, like, even when they're <laughs> retired pros and they're not on the tour anymore, I'll watch them play. I'll watch yeah. them go back and forth, even when they're old. I want to see them, like, Phil Mickelson, 98. <laughs> Tiger Woods, 91. Just grumbling at each other, <laughs> you old bastard. And then they sit down in the cart and whittle sticks at each other. I, I want to see that shit. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. This this kind of reminded me, watching, actually, watching golf in this fashion, kind of reminded me, do you remember when we were kids, they would air the like really old, from like the 60s, the Home Run Derby like weekly episodes? Did you yeah. ever see these? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's something we could go back to, where it's like if, if baseball is inevitably delayed or canceled or something like that, could you do, could you bring back the weekly Home Run Derby and just have two guys go at it you know for for oh, nine like innings AB, that was like the abc worldwide of sports and they'd have yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. I, I totally know what you're talking about yep you could just watch these two guys and it's just it's just one-on-one it's home run or it's an out like you and you get you know three outs or something like that and they would do like nine innings and you'd watch guys like ted williams versus like dimaggio and it was it was and then they'd have like johnny bench would be on there all the time and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yep like, I would be if they brought that back. I I would be complete or some sort of like skills comp a weekly skills competition, like pitchers throwing a ball into a bucket. I don't know, like yeah. do something like that, and to have that banter and things like that. I think that would be great. Like yeah, yeah. like I I think Ice T or Ice Cube had something going on. You know the the big three basketball. Ice Cube, those, yeah, yeah. When they had those retired players, I mean, it's not a. Don't get me wrong, it's not a perfect 
format. It, it wasn't. It's it's pretty entertaining. I caught it. Like let me say, like this last summer, I probably watched it a bunch of times. It, like it was on Fridays and stuff. Um, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect, but there is something to these players that are they're crazy athletes. You know what I mean? Right. And they still have the skills. They're still nuts. Why not? Let's go for it. Let's just do it. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? But good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, all right. So for my first take this week, uh, Ben, I know that you're not the most hardcore WWF wrestling fan out there. Yeah. I mean, who, neither, neither am I. But uh, I know that you're aware of the wrestler The Undertaker, correct? Yes. Yes, I thought so, you were going somewhere else with this story, but my my story as well is is geared towards WWF. So this is gonna be this is gonna make for an amazing segue coming up. Oh my gosh! Okay, all right. So Ben, you and I both love the Last Dance with Michael Jordan. Fantastic. Of course, of course. Well, the WWF is doing the same thing with the Undertaker. It's called The Last Ride. Uh, it's a five part documentary, which basically is a three year. It, it's been filmed over three years, and it's the Undertaker. Kind I'm, of all the, I'm all in. I'm all in. All in. I'm all in. Just take my money. How much is this? Like $150. I'm all in. $9.99 for yeah, a month. Fine. Um, it, it it's him as as he completely breaks character. So it's not you're not seeing the Undertaker. You're seeing Mark Calloway, the guy behind the Undertaker, and it's about his trek between 2017 to present day. And kind of talking about the last couple of matches of his career. And they do like a retrospective. They go back in time. They show like some of the highlights and talk about some other things from the past. It is everything you would ever want that document, uh, document, uh, I can't talk that series to be. It's fantastic. Can't recommend it highly. Uh, It's, it's amazing. Wait, so this is, this movie's out. It's already started. They've already aired three of the five episodes. So, that is amazing. All right, I gotta check that out because, all right, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I am not as into the WWF as you, but you know, come on, I'm I'm living and breathing, and I'm from Connecticut. Come on, right, chill right. Uh, so, Undertaker is one of the few wrestlers that really has, is Daniel Day Lewis the whole thing, and has never broken character. Like correct. you call him Undertaker, like you don't call him Mark or whatever his name is. You you call him Undertaker. So this is really. If you're going to do a documentary like this, this means something, right? It is the really the first documentary, um, I think, for for someone who has held this character and been in character as long as he has. Um, it is revolutionary in a way to to, to watch this um, unfold. And you know, even when you, you'll see clips of him traveling, you know, between shows and like the airport, he is in some way somewhat dressed in character every time he's in public like you know he he has on um uh, you know a, a hooded um black hooded cap or sunglasses i mean so he's he's oh you're you're never gonna see him in like a tie-dye t-shirts and cargo shorts let's let's put it that way like, <laughs> he's always gonna be dressed in some semblance of the character and um it is visually jarring to see him talk as not the undertaker because he's actually got a higher pitched voice see this uh, what? He's, no, he's, he's you know he's really from Texas. Speaking of Daniel Day Lewis, he's he's like Lincoln. Lincoln had the high pitched voice, right? That's true. That's true. Um, you know he's 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 hardcore Texan. Um, you know, but like, you know, you didn't. I mean, we all knew that he was hurt over the years, but you didn't realize how hurt he was. And they kind of show in the documentary. They show like you actually get footage inside, like you know, the surgery room when he's getting surgery. 
and no it's like you know stomach churning it's like oh god that's a zip um, so it's but it's it's everything you would want out of it, it is a, almost exactly the last dance formula but applied to the undertaker and it is um it's fantastic and you know my buddies and i were talking and we're like we can't really think of another wrestler that it would be this interesting because with the last dance you could kind of say that the same type of aura was around Jordan where he's just like mythical figure that you don't really know publicly. Right. Same thing with the undertaker. Um, and it's like, we tried finding wrestlers that we'd like, we'd feel the same about. We're like, no, we can't find any, like this is, this is like that one perfect situation. So um, yeah, Ben, wow. it's on the WWE network. Uh, like I said, it's, you know, monthly subscription, I think is like nine 99, just like Apple TV. I, what I would do join it, uh, watch this thing, cancel your subscription. But at the same time, just so you know, on the WWE Network, they have every single pay-per-view ever. So starting from like the beginning of the company, you could watch every WrestleMania, right. every SummerSlam. So it's every Raw and SmackDown. So there, there is a ton of content on there. That is sweet. You know, Chris, like, I mean, has there ever been another performer, like never mind wrestler, that has stayed in character that long? Like yeah. I know like, red skeleton or the beginning of tv or something like that like where they always stay, like or maybe the three stooges they were always in character you know like mo fine and all those or mo howard mm-hmm. and all those guys like maybe that's something you can point to like where it'd be physically jarring to see mo out in public or larry <laughs> out in public like not <laughs> acting like the stooges like things like this don't happen anymore because in the world of like twitter and all this bs on the internet you can catch people like tmz like pictures but like the undertaker is sneakily flew under the radar of the internet and we still don't know a lot about him so great content chris that's amazing yeah yeah i if you i, I mean i'm i'm you know what here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna email you my login information you don't even have to sign up for this thing i'm just gonna give you my my login and password well Go why don't you just say it over the air right now <laughs> all right hey everybody <laughs> I'm going to email right, it to you later on. I'll check it out. There you go. There you go. So what do you have when it comes to wrestling this week? Okay. Well, speaking of uh, wrestling, um, our favorite show, I think it's still our favorite show, Billions, has Heck been yeah. back for a couple weeks. Chris, did you watch, I believe, episode two of this season? I did. Uh, I believe Becky Lynch, the man, was on there. The man was on it. Yep. And, and I was- thought that was great. It was one of those moments where she walks in, I'm like, wait, is that Becky Lynch? Because <laughs> I the hair, first right. of all, the, that that literally orange red hair, um, and and I was like, holy shit, it's Becky Lynch. What is she doing in this episode? And then she starts going at it with Maggie Siff, and I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? And um, it was fantastic. What a great cameo. What a great great cameo. cameo. And like, I forget who it was, um, but maybe it was Mafi, and he was like, gonna ask a question. He was like, wait, can I just say? God damn, it's Becky Lynch. And they all start clapping and stuff like that. It was a great cameo. Well, he's, um, do you know the story behind him? No. He's a he's a huge WWE fan. No. The, the actor? The actor. He's been on um, uh, a couple of wrestling podcasts uh, that I've listened to. First of all, he does the best Macho Man Randy Savage impression I've ever seen. Um, so if you ever... Are we doing a movie? Are yeah, we doing, like, he's got to juice up to make the movie. Exactly. He's got a, I mean, what I would do is, you know, Google his name with Macho Man Randy Savage. You, you can find a clip of him doing it. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. Maybe we'll do a cart. He can do a cartoon. They want the juice. <laughs> there we'll you do go. an anime. How about that? Macho <laughs> Man anime. Like it looks like the movie Akira 
but it's Macho Man. How about that, Chris? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. That- <laughs> oh yeah. He's, the he's cream always guy. rises to the top. I'm the cream of the crop. <laughs> so I could only imagine. Like he must have been freaking out uh, when Becky Lynch is there. And <laughs> did it, they do it like I wonder if they did it like the Goonies, you know, when they turn around for the pirate ship to get the actual like maybe he just <laughs> they didn't tell him <laughs> they just had her on. <laughs> that was his genuine reaction, like yeah. oh my god, holy shit. Um, so yeah, that that was awesome. And and to your to your larger point, uh, Billions is, is back, uh, loving every second of it. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. what makes this show brilliant is the dialogue. And you just, I have no idea where it's going and I love it. Yeah. I I just, there's something about the show is this this fifth season, I believe. Um, and you know, every single season for me, Chris, like once I hit the peak and I'm like, okay, like that season, that last season was so great. And then the next season, like, oh, billions is back. And I'm like, okay, listen, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready for it to jump the shark. I'm ready for the letdown. And they always they pull me back in. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Mm-hmm. And this season, Chuck Sr. is out of control. Chuck Sr. pulls me back in. Uh, so Katie is in there. She's watching me. And, like, she's seen the show a couple times. And she's like, oh, who's this? Who's that? And I'm like, I'm explaining to her. She's like, who's that guy? And I'm like, well, that's the guy from the Green Mile. And he was also uh, the guy with the RV in Walking Dead. He's like, oh, I love that. I love that character. I go, me too. Same actor. Playing the worst character on television ever. Oh, <laughs> Chuck yeah. Sr. is so deplorable. I go, that's his new Native American bride that he's making uh, Paul Giamatti meet his sister, who's now a baby. <laughs> he's so deplorable. He's just such an a-hole. Love him. I love how uh, this season he's pledged $100,000 to Yale, and he's yeah. never paid. He's never paid. Never paid it. So Paul Giamatti owes like Yale, like I don't know, ten million dollars or something. I mean, and the the meta thing of it all is that Paul Giamatti's father was actually the president of Yale at one point. So like, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's so yeah, great. Paul Giamatti. He actually went from the presidency of Yale to the commissioner of baseball. That that was the direct leap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this show it just keeps getting better. It just goes click click click. It just clicks yep. along. And I don't know, like once you think they've jumped the shark, they, they spin it and it hasn't, but I'm here to talk about, uh, you know, Becky Lynch is great. I always love their cameos. I love all the cameos of all the artists and all the chefs on here. Yes. Every single painting in the background is either a faux Picasso or a real like Jackson Pollock. But let's talk about, uh, crossbones, Frank Grillo as, (laughs) uh, the the artist. The buff artist here, uh, really stealing the show in his scenes. Uh, I thought he was great. I love the character. I love how he's trying to be bought. And as I'm watching, I was like, any creative artist that's capable of like creating like art at that level is not going to hang with Bobby Axelrod. He's just yeah. going to see right through him, see right through the other guy. Um, it, it just, just great stuff, Chris. I, you know what? This show. You know what? I was trying to think of like if someone were to tell me like, "Hey, we're the two best shows on TV," I'd probably say Billions and Letter Kenny. Yeah. And um, you know, with with those two picks, you get comedy and you get drama. But those two picks eerily similar, like weirdly similar because great dialogue, like you said, 
Oh, it's all in the dialogue. It's, it's all, all dialogue. The, like, There's not and, an ounce of improv in the whole thing. You and I both know this as actors. Like, if you give us a good script with meat in it, you you can see the joy on our faces doing it. Like you and it's it's you can see it. And in and very rarely I think it happens on TV or film where you can see that with actors. You know, I think the West Wing is a good example of that. The Wire is a good example of it, where you can just you can just tell that these actors are like, holy shit, this is the best fucking script. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 you, and you can have yeah and like any actor even when you have one line mm-hmm. you know what i mean like the bullpen at, at x capital you know what i mean like dollar bill and all those guys and buffy like they're just happy to be there and, and delivering one or two lines with pleasure and because they're such they're every line in the show even if you have two lines in an episode they're so great and memorable and just oh my god well see here's the fun and this is the fun part for me because and I've said this a couple of times on social media where if you are someone that is in tune with the New York theater scene, um, this is a dream come true for you because like every week you're seeing someone that's like, holy shit, it's Will Roland. Holy shit. It's Ray Lee. Holy shit. It's Sarah Stiles. Um, and you're watching them and it's not law and order where it's like, you see your favorite people in the world just being like a hot dog vendor or right. you know, they're playing or dead guy. Number two, right? Dead guy number two. You're, you're watching people, do some kick-ass scenes and kick-ass dialogue. You know, the, the, the I'm, I'm halfway caught up on on this week's episode. I, I saw last week's episode uh, that took place at the, the boarding school and stuff like that. But yep, the, that's the, where I am. That's I just finished that one. That's perfect. Too. Yep. I think is it the episode before, it or is it maybe that episode that starts off with him in the psychiatry office and he's talking to the, his uh, um, psychiatrist. Um, anyway. The the guy who plays the psychiatrist, his name is Mark Blum. Oh, the hip, the hypnotist guy. Hypnotist guy, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just died of COVID. Oh no! Yeah, I know so, that guy. Yeah, and he's been in everything. And yeah, he he's, a, he's, everything. he's that guy. As on the rewatchable, they say that guy. Yeah, he's been yeah. in everything. Oh, that's a shame. Everything. Yeah, and it was he was really one of the first like names to to die from this terrible thing. And uh, but his 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 theater resume is just ridiculous. I mean, he was one of those guys that you could call and be like, "Dude, do you want to just do this part?" It's it's really just like a three scene part in a play, and he's like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it." So he was like his his resume is just chock full of amazing credits. His resumes, his IMDb is out of control. Um, so yeah, really heavy loss for character actors. But um, again, you watch scenes like that, and you're like, to be a fly on the wall to watch those guys just rehearse that scene together to watch these theatrical giants rehearse the stuff. That's why I love this show. Cause it's just, you're just watching people at the top of their craft, doing some of the best stuff of their craft. Love it. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, what's the testament to the show is, you know, here's Katie sitting on the couch. I was like, I got to watch the show. I know you haven't seen it. Do you want, and I, and I said, do you want me to go back to the beginning? Cause I'm willing to do that <laughs> because I love, I can't wait to rewatch this show. No matter what the climax is, even if the climax jumps the shark and, X buys an atomic bomb and blows up the earth. I'd be like, you know, I could see that coming. <laughs> you know, I might've called that season two. Uh, maybe Paul Giamatti was right. Uh, maybe he was trying to stop the apocalypse or something. Maybe uh, Bobby Axelrod becomes Morton Joe and uh, buys all the water in the world. <laughs> Don't get addicted to the water. My beauties. Mediocre. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my wives. Um, <laughs> I can see Mafee spraying uh, silver spray paint on his mouth. Witness, Witness me! Uh, so, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I went a little far, but 
no matter what, I can't wait to rewatch this show because um, I remember listening to in uh, recapables and watching all the podcasts on the show and and uh, sorry, reading all the articles on the show. There are so many little hidden um, references. Now, can I tell a personal story about this season? Um, the Chris Rock test. <laughs> <laughs> poor yep. wags i mean wags i mean i love wags one of my favorite characters on the show um did not pass the chris rock test yeah. chris what is the chris rock test yeah you gotta keep your daughter off the pole you gotta keep your daughter off the pole now i saw the episode title now i gotta tell this story so I'm, I'm i'm sitting there watching katie's on her phone she's really not paying attention she's on her phone and um all of a sudden wags gets a look at something on the stage. Yep. And it's a and great look. It's, it's a, a great look. look. I mean, that actor, I love that actor. He, he's been on podcasts. I love him so much. He's on Breaking Bad. He's, he's on Better Call Saul. I love him so much. Um, gives this look, and then it cuts. And Katie goes, what happened? And I paused, and I speculated. So, Chris, check the speculation. Because Chris Rock has multiple theories about strip clubs. Um. <laughs> I thought it was a reference to um, his song. There is absolutely no sex in the champagne room. Yep. So when he meets Bobby the next day, I go, oh, no. Wags blew like 10 mil on a girl. You know what I mean? That wouldn't give it up. Or mm-hmm. or he got married to someone and he blew, you know, like 15 mil or something. That, that's what I thought. And then the scene went out. So I, I hit unpause. And then I hit pause again. And I go, oh, no, I was wrong. <laughs> it was keep your daughter off the pole. <laughs> That's the only thing you have to do as a father. Because <laughs> that was a later stand-up, right? Keep your right. daughter off the pole. Was, I think that was maybe like five years ago, that stand-up on HBO. That, that's So, uh, so yeah. Just great. The next episode, he's like, you know what? I want to get in touch with all my kids. And you're like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> yeah, more? they're just, <laughs> there's more kids. I love him. Oh, oh my god, I love Wag so much. He's my favorite episode. Just so much money, and I love the guy that he's competing with. That's, I love how Bobby's a Deca billionaire now, and now there's really only other another Deca billionaire that they can compete with. And uh, the show is so ridiculous. I love it. Let me ask you this, Ben. I mean, usually with some of these ensemble shows, there's usually like a weak link or someone that's like, yeah, you probably could have gotten someone else to play that role. The casting of this show is flawless. Impeccable. It is one of the most perfect casted shows. I wouldn't change a thing. Maybe that's and, – and Chris, you know, maybe you're on to something. Maybe that's why I love the show. Like sometimes when I see a movie or a show and it's going good and all of a sudden like there's a one guy that just delivers like You're like, are you really? Whose brother is that? I'm going to find out whose cousin you are and get you fired. Like that guy. And you're just like, get him out of here. Get him off the screen. There isn't a person on here that I, I love them all. I really love them as actors. I love them as characters because, and I was trying to describe the show to Katie, like, you know, what, you know, what's the show? Like, I was like, it's kind of like the nitty gritty details of Wolf of Wall Street. Mm, you know how yeah. Wolf of Wall Street is, you know, Jordan Belfort or Leo is up there. He's like, you know, we took these penny stocks and blah, blah. he's like, yada, yada, yada. That's not important. What I want to tell you is, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's the yada, yada, yada. Like, it's the nitty grit how they are awful people and how they fuck over other people. Like, and they're deplorable, but they're kind of like dopey, like dogs. 
like 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 hapless animals. Like they have no idea how awful they're being. It's really bizarre. So, Chris, I I just I slurp it up like soup. The show just keeps going, and they just got me. They got me. They got me. They got my money. If if Showtime comes out next year, like all right, you can get my Showtime subscription for ten bucks, but for billions, you have to pay a hundred dollars a month. I'll be like, all right, well, I gotta get that second job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. by this show so I'm, I'm all in love it love it good stuff man good stuff um all right well for my number two this week um same kind of thing where we're talking about just awesome tv a show that i stumbled upon uh it's on hulu uh it's called solar opposites have you seen this yet ben oh so it's an animated show but it's done by the same guys that did rick and morty and it is freaking hilarious it is hilarious. It's about this uh, group of aliens that escape uh, l- like their dying planet and they crash land into Earth. And it's just basically them trying to make it through the world. But it's like th- humanity is like semi aware that these aliens are here. And th- let me just say the writing, we, we're talking about good writing. It is fantastic. The humor is very quick. Um, what I also appreciate, especially for an animated show is they don't seem to use like the flawless, uh, take, so to speak. So like you'll hear like little pauses or them like slip up on words and things like that, which only adds, I think to the comedy level. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, amazing. It is definitely rated R. Uh, they're dropping F bombs left and right. The, The gore, you know, in this is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, no, highly recommend. And it's just, again, it's, it's, I think for adults, it's great watching animated shows um, that, uh, yeah, like you drop, you're dropping F-bombs left and right, which I think is great. So uh, that was just a really quick plug. Solar Opposites, definitely check it out. It's on Hulu. It's uh, the whole first season there. So it's eight episodes. Uh, I'm halfway through it. I'm, just, I'm loving everything. So You know um, what, Chris? I'm looking at this cast. You got Thomas Middleich, uh, Jason Manzukis, Tiffany Haddish, and Alfred Molina. <laughs> And so not to spoil anything, but um, some of those characters are um, so as part of like an experiment, they're taking like humans and shrinking them and putting them into this like ant farm type of thing. And like so half the show is like you're following this alien group and the other half is you're watching like these humans develop this like inner society within the wall of this ant farm. And um, Alfred Molina plays a guy named the Duke, who's like the king of... (laughs) I can't I can't explain it much further than that without spoiling things, but uh, it is fantastic. So yeah, it, it's an amazing cast. Again, we talk about just loving dialogue. It really does feel like a lot of the scenes are improv too as well because you can just hear it. Um, but yeah, cannot cannot recommend it more. All right, speaking of Alfred Molina, this is my third story. But uh, Katie and I, you know, we're stuck at home, not doing a lot, uh, but doing a lot at the same time. Do you get that sense too? Like you're stuck home, but you're not doing a lot, but you're doing a lot. Like time drifts by, and you watch like a ton of stuff. It's like um, I'm not tired, but tired type of yeah. thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's kind of like I'm. I'm, uh, I'm. I should go to bed, but I'm still awake. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, this weekend, we've just been burning through movies. Like, uh, so just you know, we're in the basement. It was hot AF, and uh, got the projector down here. Put on my favorite. Boogie Nights. Love, mm. love that movie. Uh, that's on my top 20 list, as you saw. And um, Alfred Molina in that movie, is that his best performance of all time? Ooh, that's a good point. I mean, he is so great. You hit him. Like, that movie is full of characters. You know, you have 
a list of Oscar award-winning actors and, you know, John C. Riley and, and all these people that are just vying for your attention and improving all over the place and great writing and great scenes and just set up, set up, set up. And then you have Alfred Molina as, like, pretty much the devil. He's playing the devil in that movie. <laughs> like, he... Like, if I, if I go to hell, hopefully, you know, shout out, I don't, uh, that's the devil. You know, he has the little Asian boy Cosmo throwing fireworks in his underwear while I'm trying to scam him off some cocaine or so. It's, it's an awful scene. It's, it's the devil. Um, is there a better performance? I don't know. That's a good point. That, I mean, he's really good as Doc Ock as, in Spider-Man 2. Don't get oh, me wrong. that's true. Great Doc Ock. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's he's off the wall in that movie. <laughs> I love I love Alfred Molina. I'll see anything yeah, with him. Me too. So, there you go. Uh, there you go. All right, man. What's your number three this week? My number three. So speaking of uh, watching a ton of movies at home, I ran into a little app. So I wanted to show Katie some cheesy horror movies. You know what I mean? Like horror movies are a thing. Um, trying to show her some of my favorite horror movies, and but not really necessarily good ones. Um, so I, I searched around a bunch and I found this app called Tubi. Chris, are you, you familiar with this? Tubi? Yeah, T U B I. Free app. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, it's kind of like a free streaming service. They have a commercials here and there. Um, it's kind of like popcorn flicks or one of these kind of free things that you just have to, you, you get, they get the movies, you, you, you watch them, and then you have to watch like a commercial every once in a while. Um, so on here, Chris. I checked out a classic, classic horror movie with Katie. She had never seen it. Watched it in the basement with the subwoofer going down here. I got a new subwoofer, you know, announcement. Brand new subwoofer in the basement. So while listening to records and stuff, the house just shakes. It's great. Um, watched a little classic. Alyssa Milano. Jennifer Tilly. Classic. Embrace of the Vampire. Chris, are you familiar with this film? No, you're not familiar with Embrace of the Vampire. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm really interested to hear. What so, the, that's I, quite a count. Yeah, <laughs> let me take it back to the time of 1996. Alyssa Milano was in a barren wasteland of straight-to-video films, and in a cross crossroads of her career, coming off of Who's the Boss before. Uh, the show, uh, oh, what's the witch show that she was on? Uh, Charmed. Before Charmed, where she became another household name as an adult, she, there was this weird middle ground where Alyssa Milano starred in these straight-to-video psychosexual films. I think like, I saw one called po- is it Poison Ivy? Poison Ivy 2. Poison Ivy 2, that's right, okay. Yeah. You remember uh, that? Or, it's, it's the, or is it The Crush 2 Poison Ivy? Who knows? Yeah, I know because she, I, I know she I, naked, so. Oh, oh well. If you're a fan of that one, you'll you're a fan of Embrace the Vampire. All right, <laughs> so uh, check out Tubi. They have a great one. So we checked out Embrace of the Vampire, which my God, at, they don't make movies like this anymore. Like whether <laughs> whether it be on PC, yeah, whether it be like on PC and stuff like that. But you know what? A uh, female director on this one. I looked up the trivia on this one. And also, there's an orgy scene in it, and uh, the director was scared that the extras would be uncomfortable. She casted uh, only couples in the orgy scene, 
So just the couples are either topless or just making out, but they're couples. So it's kind of cool. So actually, like, kind of like forward thinking, Alyssa Milano went on record and said, like, you know, there is nudity in this movie. But she said after this, having a female director, she really thought about, you know, when she should get um, naked on film and have complete control over that. So that was something that the director let her have. Like, are, are we going to do this? Are you comfortable with this? And then moving forward, you know, she had that in all of her contracts. Like, you know, I get complete control if I get naked or whatever you show. Like nice. the editing editing credits. So actually a forward-thinking movie. <laughs> when you watch it, you might not think that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, as we go through the history of cinema and uh, – Embrace of the Vampire, clutch. But, Chris, I think I talked about this other movie. Uh, the movie is called The Crazies. I talked about this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's on Tubi as well. And Tubi has a cult movie section, and it is the Ben Frawley section. It has every movie I've ever loved in this world on this section. It, uh, I think they have Suspiria on there. They have everything on there. And it's free. So Tubi, Tubi, Tubi. Totally check that out. Totally free app. My God, they have everything known to man. Love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Wow. Um, wow, that's, that's awesome. So, Ben, uh, my third one is a little controversial this week. Uh, it is it is breaking news in a way. It is uh, This all kind of went down today. But I don't know if you heard that there's, there was some controversy on Twitter where someone dug up an old clip of Jimmy Fallon from SNL uh, that aired exactly 20 years ago, to the, like the spring of 2000, where he is okay. doing an impression of Chris Rock in full blackface, like head to toe blackface. Um, and it, it actually this aired, air? it actually aired because uh, I as soon as I saw the image, I was like, I remembered that exact. Um, yeah, we were watching. You're, we were probably watching together. What the hell? <laughs> Probably. Um, it was a sketch with Daryl Hammond playing Regis, and I think they were interviewing new co-hosts or something like that. And um, Chris, like Jimmy Fallon comes in as Chris Rock, and he's just head-to-toe blackface. And <clears throat> obviously in 2000, maybe, you know, it, was probably, it probably caught some, some eyes of being like, you know, WTF. But someone found the clip, put it on Twitter, and basically did this whole thing of trying to drag down Jimmy Fallon and get him canceled over blackface. Um, that's 20 years old. So now typically if there's a politician or if there's a public you know, celebrity out there and these things are uncovered that were either like kept secret, like Justin Trudeau um, or, right. you know, that's one thing, but this is, this was an actual sketch that aired on SNL. I'm sorry. And- I'm laughing. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to laugh, but, when I when I googled this, I came up with Jimmy Kimmel as Carl Malone, which is some of my favorite thing ever from the Man Show. Him as Ha, ah, I'm Carl Malone is one of the funniest things ever. I'm sorry, keep going. Still, I mean, equally bad, but um, it's but yeah, funny. but also very funny. Um, but yeah, it's like here's the thing. This it sounded like that was a secret in a way. And I right, feel like right, this is like exactly. a product of people being bored of trying to drag down Jimmy Fallon, which by the way, yes, he did it in 2000. Has he done it since? No. Would he ever do it again? No. Um, and not for nothing, but 
SNL at the time, Circuit 2000, shares the blame in airing that. So um, my message to folks is this. This is I, I feel this is a non-controversy. It is the product of us being bored in our houses and looking for things to get, to get angry about when yep. there are actual issues, racial issues as of late, to really get angry about. We're choosing to get angry about this. So, folks, let it go. He, he, like, they actually got Jimmy Fallon to come out and say, like, yeah, I'm ashamed of it. I'm sorry, you know, things like that. It shouldn't have gotten to that point because, again, this was actually something that aired on network television. It wasn't like he was doing this, you know, in a club. Uh, it wasn't part of his club act, or it wasn't, he didn't dress up, you know, as, a, as this person is for Halloween. This was on a nationally televised TV show that made him famous. So, um, yeah, it's, it, to you me, know, it's he should be ashamed of. He should be ashamed of the movie Taxi. He should, or <laughs> pretending to be a Red Sox fan in Fever Pitch when we all know he's a Yankees fan. Oh, oh. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Maybe he deserves it. How about he loses his job because of that? <laughs> you know, that movie should have been awful. That movie is awful, but it should be even more awfuler. Uh, they just happened to pick the season they won. So, I mean, the Fairley brothers... Being from New England, being Red Sox fans, you know, they should have picked. Uh, where were they? Like, you know, oh, shit, we can't get found. Let's just hold a second. We'll get Affleck in a second. You know what I mean? Where was Affleck on that one? Any any Boston fan. God knows there's plenty of them. Um, what was Damon. Affleck doing in 2000? Yeah, Damon. What was he doing in 2004? Was he? Was that Reindeer Games? When was that? What? <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't. <laughs> He was the boss of Phantoms, yo. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually at the games. He could have just filmed, hey, Drew, give me a hot dog. We got to film a scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just get any any Boston. I mean, Mark Wahlberg, what was he doing at that time? Like, yeah, you know. Anyone. Anyone. Or any of the Broken Lizard guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that movie. I hate that movie. <laughs> I hate that terrible. movie. They just have. Or even Stephen King. I mean, listen, all right, Stephen King, I've seen him act. That guy can act. Creep Show one, the guy can act. Okay. He was, he was, he was Knight Riders. Yeah. He can act. Right. So I don't know. Maybe he gets a younger girl, Drew Barrymore. Maybe we switch the girl up. <laughs> well, Why not? All right. You know what? All right. How about oh, how about this? Okay. Fever pitch. Okay. It's two thousand four. You got Stephen going to every single game because he's writing that book. Mm -hmm. uh, so we get him, we get Diane Lane coming off of the perfect storm who plays a new Englander in that one. I think that's age appropriate. Yeah. Recast the movie. Let's do it. I Let's do it. it. Can we just do it? Can we, if I'm getting my time machine, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get some Apple stock in like 19, like 72. I'm going to go back and film this movie. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, let's do it. Let's go YouTube, my friend. Let's go. Yeah, baby. What do you got this week? All right. We're going down a little uh, Ben Frehley uh, warm. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Before we get to our main story, uh, let's just do um, a couple follow-ups. Okay. So uh, I talked about – so, Chris, we talked about our favorite sports documentary last week. What is yours? Oh, gosh. Because we were talking about the – yeah, we were talking about, you know, the last dance. We were just talking about the uh, Undertaker thing. Uh, Josh brought up the Andre the Giant doc, which, my God, that's hard to beat. My answer was King of Kong. 
<laughs> that nice. is one of my favorite documentaries. Never mind sports documentaries, but I'm going to say that old school arcade gaming is mm-hmm. a sport. And that yep. is on, uh, let's let's keep this on the low low, but that is on YouTube for free. Just just put that out there. So just put up a King oh, of Kong. If you haven't seen that, just do that. But it's worth a buy anyway. But Chris, what is your favorite sports doc? Gosh. Um, what do you got? What do you got? No, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with oh gosh, this is tough. I'm I'm thinking through all the sports. Like if I'm I putting you on the spot, I'm I'm like, really putting you got all the thirty for thirties. You got everything. I mean, it's not it's not a thirty for thirty, but my god, that that Lakers Celtics miniseries they did, um, great. great. Um, yeah. I but I honestly, I mean, thirty for thirty is the bar in my my yeah. opinion with all the stuff that they've done. My favorite thirty for thirty and might be my favorite sports documentary is the, the you, the one that they do doing the Miami hurricanes <laughs> with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> he just starts the doc. And you're like, wait, I know that guy. Wait, how do I know that guy? And you Google it. You're like, Oh, that's the two live crew guy. <laughs> Uncle Luke. Um, like just to, just to see these stories of how freaking crazy that team was and that whole city was at the time. Um, that that might be my favorite. I could watch that thing a hundred times and never get. I, I need to rewatch it. That's a great pick. We did not bring that up last week. I'm gonna I'm gonna text Josh. We did not bring that up. You very good. The other one, you know, column A, column B, very close runner up, is probably the June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four one, which is the OJ chase. That is great. I think I brought that up on this document. I yeah. love that, and it's just no the it's, no, it's just the footage of that day. And yep. when you watched. When you watch any sports doc that takes place during the '90s, even you know, even Last Dance, like you're like, oh, when when is that re- in relation to that day? <laughs> like, <laughs> like when, like when is it's like the NBA Finals and that day? You're like, okay, wait, what is is he on the road? Where's AC Collins' car? <laughs> and I remember, I remember exactly where I was when when that all unfolded. I was at, I was away at tennis camp, and we were watching the Knicks. Rockets game, and all of a sudden, like you'd hear, you'd see this cut in of OJ Simpson. We changed the channel, and we're all sitting in this dorm lounge at Mount Holyoke College, mm-hmm. um, watching this thing unfold. And we were like transfixed to our screens. So crazy, 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 crazy. crazy. Um, those would be my. Yeah. All right. So that's my first pick. Just following up on that story, uh, and then uh, Chris, personal uh, personal pick for you. Uh, found a new uh, baseball channel. So I've uh, Foolish Baseball is a great uh, YouTube channel about baseball. But this this guy, Sports Raving, sorry, Stark Raving Sports is Ooh. the name of the channel. The weirdest game in baseball history and why. Seven minutes and 29 seconds. Chris, please check that out. That's just for you. Ooh. I can't spoil it. Uh, it gets pretty weird. Kind of have to agree with it. There's a lot going on. Nice. So that's the one for you. All right. And then this is a deep dive. This is a deep quarantine dive by Ben. So I got the time machine. I'm filling, I'm filming uh, Stephen King and Diane Lane in uh, uh, Fever Pitch. <laughs> then I'm going to go back to uh, 1996 and I'm going to yell at myself. So, Chris, I got the Spotify, uh, the premium. For the first time in my life. And I've been building uh, these playlists. So one of my playlists is called Weekend Bacon and Eggs. Ooh, when I'm okay. cooking for Katie and Deacon, I'm doing like some biscuits and bacon. Whatever I got going on, I go, hey, hey Google, play Weekend Bacon and Eggs. And it just plays the playlist. It's great. Um, 
So on there, I have a song by Oasis. I forget which one it is. But uh, where wh- what was I doing in the 90s? I love Oasis. <laughs> I just I just messed up. So on my YouTube like videos, um, I, the, the one thing that is the greatest thing ever, the Oasis MTV Unplugged is full length, 37 minutes. That's just on there. It's great. But then also, two minutes and 58 seconds is the behind the scenes where Liam and Noel are getting into it. I believe Noel is the one that gets wicked drunk mm-hmm. and then performs, to, uh, refuses to perform and gets hammered up in the balcony and, and, and screams at his brother through the whole performance, who wasn't really the lead singer. So fabulous. And you, if you love that, one of the brothers is on Hot Ones um, last October, and that was great too. I think I, I talked about that last October. So. Um, that's my deep dive of the week. Oasis. Great band. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well for mine this week, Ben, have you seen this YouTube, uh, channel called binging with Babish? Yeah, I, I got into it because I was trying to get to more, uh, I do the food. I do, um, Buzzfeed videos for worth it. And I do the barbecue pit boys, but that led me down that rabbit hole too. I love that guy. Love that guy. He does. Uh, he basically remakes food that's been featured in movie and, and television shows. So, like in one episode, he'll he'll recreate the sauce that they make in Goodfellas, or you know the breakfast sandwich from um, Birds of Prey that just came out, or something like right. that. And so it's like, oh wow, it's like if that if that looked delicious when they were you know seeing it in in the movie or television show, he actually can teach you how to make it uh, or come very close to how. Uh, it you know it was made so to speak. Um, he's got I think he's got at least a hundred videos on that channel. Um, oh yeah, he, he oh oh my god, oh my god on that one channel. Yeah, he's he's crazy, Chris. I mean, he has like nine hundred videos. He's nuts. <laughs> he's nuts. Um, and it's it's a great thing to watch. They're quick videos, are like five minutes each. Um, but yeah, definitely re- to all the listeners, to, you know, listeners out there, definitely recommend it if you just want to see these movie recipes or just, you know, just generally good recipes as well. Um, he's got some great stuff on there. So binge is six. Yeah. He's 6.9 uh, million subscribers. So I don't know if we're preaching to any, we're preaching to the choir, <laughs> probably preaching to the choir, but that's okay. That's all right. And he's got his own cookbook that came out as well. So um, yeah, definitely check that out. So awesome, man. Well, this was good. This was a great podcast this week. Yeah, dude, the freaking awesome, man. I wanted to follow up on a bunch, but Dude, this week, between the match and billions, we just had to get into it. I mean, I, Chris, I want to I want to feel hopeful. I want to spread the hope. Do you feel like maybe we're we're coming back to life a little bit? Yeah. Maybe we're getting some more content, maybe? Yeah, I think we're getting there. I, I think, think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. But you know what, Chris? I, I, I think I can speak for your state, my home state of Connecticut. I can speak for New York, Connecticut, and Jersey. I can speak for those three. I feel like our governors and our our uh, I want to give a shout out to those guys. I think we're opening slowly but responsibly. Exactly. Can't exactly. speak for the rest of the country. Can speak for my boys out in Taiwan that are in my fantasy league and they're enjoying baseball. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> back to work. Like everyone's working except for us. So, but I can speak for our three uh, states. I feel safe with mm-hmm. the way it's opening. Like. I don't know, Chris. Like up here, we got uh, we got the casino opening in a couple weeks. Same down here. Yep. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but uh, uh, I can speak to uh, 
about people that I know that are working there that don't want to go back there. Uh, yeah, but I, you know, but at the same time, I, I feel like I see a lot of masks out there. We need to keep that rolling. So absolutely. And for anybody out there who is starting to doubt this stuff or thinks it's some sort of hoax, first of all, be smart. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, just talk to anybody who you know or maybe your friends know that is a medical professional because they will tell you exactly what's going on and uh, and how real this is and how serious you should take this. So all these people that are protesting, all these people that are saying this is a hoax, all these people that are being just morons, um, just talk to people, you know, and and you'll you'll find out what's going on. So yeah, yeah, like and. I, I'm not going to, I am an essential employee. Like I'm not going to say I'm a medical professional, but I've been working through this whole thing like half, half time. And, uh, can I, you know, all these people that are up in arms cause they're, I don't know, they're hairdressers and they really want to get back to work. Like you can come do my job anytime. Mm-hmm. I'll Google how to haircut people <laughs> and I'll take mm-hmm. your job. I'll stay at home with my kid and play Tony Hawk, like straight up, like, you just, I'll trade with you anytime. I just don't. And I feel for people that whose states, uh, you know, I mean, I, Chris, we are privileged because we live in rich states. We have a lot of unemployment benefits we have, and they're online. And we have, I, and I, I get that. We see other states that are poorer than us, ours. Mm-hmm. You see people in food lines and stuff, but I don't blame those states. I blame our federal government that, you know, ha- is hands off about certain things that can they can be blamed about so you know screw those guys like it's just it's ridiculous like they want to be in the driver's seat like when everything goes right but they don't want to be like oh that that's that state's fault because there's a food line you know what i mean like it's ridiculous i know that i'm blessed that we live in new york and connecticut but at the same time like it's you know keep your chin up guys there's plenty to do stay inside stay safe and uh, we're, we'll get back to normal if we just are smart about this thing Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, folks, we'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.